Let me ask you this question. Just to, I want you to ponder the ponder this. How many of you, with a show of hands, how many of you have ever invited guests over to your house? You ever had a dinner party? Most of you have had had that. You know, when you have people coming over to your house, whether they be family members or maybe your best friends or maybe even casual acquaintances, do you all have kind of a, a preparation list, that, a checklist that you go through, right? Got to clean the house. Maybe you make sure there's extra toilet paper, right, in, in the bathrooms. Uh, maybe even as your guests, you know, the time for your guests to arrive, you start to kind of keep an eye out on the window, you know, maybe watching or maybe even listening, tuning your ear to the, to the doorbell or do I hear any footsteps or do I hear any, you know, noise of, of my guests coming, the greeting of them. And then for sure, uh, I would imagine for all of us, you know, as the time really is almost upon us for our guests to arrive, isn't there sort of this feeling of anticipation like, wow, the party's about ready to start. I wonder, I wonder how it's going to go. I want you to really hold that, that image, this dinner party image in your mind as we look and study together here some Bible verses found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. Because in our conversation today, Jesus is going to give us three things to do to prepare for the best dinner party that there ever was, a dinner party that's going to take place in heaven. And so I've titled our kind of today's conversation, Preparing for Heaven. Preparing for Heaven. And we're going to start reading. If you have your Bible, whether it's in paper or digital form, I'm going to start reading in verse 35, Luke chapter 12, verse 35. And as always, try to picture the scene in your mind. This is what we read. Be dressed for service, Jesus says, and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, Jesus says. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit the house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Do you all know what a go bag is? You ever heard that phrase, a go bag? I know, Anne, you do. A go bag, uh, for example, as a police chaplain, I have a go bag. It's kind of like a duffel bag or maybe a backpack that's filled with essentials that I might need in the event of a call-out that uh, I'm not sure whether it can be for a couple of hours or maybe for, you know, extended period of time. And so in my go bag... I will have things, I have things like a, a flashlight, uh, I, I have a, a roll of athletic tape and a, a sharpie. I never travel. Every time I travel, airplane, it doesn't matter, I always go with a roll of athletic tape and a, and a sharpie. Uh, and in case my, guy, my go bag 
case, I have a, a knife. There's a couple of water bottles. There's a, a couple of protein bars. There's a, a clean pair of a, a, a boxer shorts and a t-shirt and a couple pairs of socks. Really things that I might need in the event that this call out extends to into the wee hours of, of the night or the next day. Another go bag that I have, and maybe some of you as well do, is what I call my wartime emergency go bag. Anybody have one of those? This wartime emergency go bag that I have in it, it's a rather large uh, backpack. In it, I have like a solar battery charger. I've got a flashlight. I've got a couple magazines of, of, of bullets for my handgun, because if we're in a wartime, I'm going to have my handgun. Right? Some of you have handguns too, right? And I, in this backpack, I've got, you know, again, the protein bars, and I've got a thumbnail drive that's got all of my important documents on it. In the case that I have to flee my house, I've got a, 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 a really nice a water purifier pump. It's a backpack pump. It's a clay pump for in case we have to filter water and stuff, right? If, if there's an earthquake or something hanky goes down, how are you going to drink water? Well, I've got this emergency Pack. There's cash in this backpack, so if you find it, dig deep because you'll find some cash. Toothbrush, right? Reading glasses, things that I might need in the event that things really go hanky. I've got this emergency wartime go bag. Now, hopefully, I'll never need to use it. That's why we call it a go bag. But I think it's an important image because it's really what Jesus is saying to us as followers of God. He's saying, I want you to live alert. So one of the questions I want you to think about today in this conversation is, are you living your life on autopilot? You know, are you prepared for the return of Christ or for judgment day? That day when we stand before God and he determines, makes his final determination as to who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. That's judgment day. You know, in your Bibles, I want you to turn back a chapter to, uh, actually, two books to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. Jesus here in, in, in Luke 12 is telling us, listen, the day's going to come when I'm going to return. And that when I return, there's going to be a judgment day. You better have your go bag ready. And in Matthew, chapter 24, find verse 26. And notice what Jesus says. He gives us some, some indicators as to what to look for when we know that time is approaching. Luke, Matthew chapter 24, verse 26. This is what Jesus says. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or if they say, look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. For as, the lightning, for as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Now skip down to verse 37. When the Son of Man returns, Jesus says, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the meal. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know 
what day your Lord is coming. Now write this down, point number one in your app notes. The first thing that we are told Jesus says to do as you prepare for heaven, number one, is to live with an eye on the sky. Live with an eye on the sky. Brothers and sisters, Jesus says that when he returns to earth to usher in judgment day, everyone is going to see him. Like lightning in the sky. You know, there will be no misunderstanding as to what is happening. Jesus says, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you've got your go bag ready. You need to be alert. And part of being alert involves living with an eye on the sky. So turn to your neighbor and just do this. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. Keep, keep, keep your eyes open. Now look at what Jesus teaches in that. Go back to Luke chapter 12. Look at what he writes here in verse 31. Luke chapter 12, verse 40, or 41, 41. This is what he says. Peter asks one of his disciples. He said, Lord, is this illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will, ret will return, Jesus says, unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. Now write this down, point number two. Brothers and sisters, as you prepare for heaven, Jesus tells us here to live with an understanding of what is at stake. Live with this understanding of what is at stake. You know, the Bible teaches that when Jesus returns to heaven, that that is going to usher in judgment day. It's a day when we will all stand before God. And God, our creator, is going to ask us the question, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should I not send you to hell? Judgment day is going to be a day of accountability. I equate it to what I call going to the principal's office. Uh, any show of hands, any of you ever grow up in grade school and high school and be sent to the principal's office? Or is I the only one? Okay, we got a couple of rebels in there. You know, full disclosure, as a child, I was sent multiple times to the principal's office. You were too, James? Right on, brother. When you stand before the principal in, in the principal's office, it is what we might call judgment day. She or he expects you to re give a report for your behavior. I can remember one time, and some of you have heard the story, that the principal came to our classroom and invited me up to the front of the classroom to stand in front of all my classmates and then 
invited me, wasn't really an invitation, and invited me to bend over and, and grab my ankles. At which point, the principal went to this closet in the classroom and got out this three-foot board. It looked kind of like a, a large, I want you to picture in your mind, a fly swatter. Had this wooden handle on the end with these holes in it. Anybody want to guess where the fly was sitting? That's what we call Kansas old school discipline. Now try doing that here in Orange County or Costa Mesa. No bueno. You know, when I got home that day and I told my dad what happened, you know what he said? <laughs> he asked me, he said, uh, did you deserve it? Did you deserve it? Friends, I don't know if putting a tack on your teacher's chair warrants a public spanking or not. But what I do know is that judgment day, when it happens, especially when you're guilty, is no fun. Jesus says that there is going to be a day when we all, turn to your neighbor and say all, when we all stand before the master and on that day, you and I will be judged. On that day, we will either receive the master's reward or the master's wrath. And here's the, here's the kicker, though. The reward that you and I receive is really up to you and me. You influence how the master is going to respond. Friends, Jesus calls his followers, he calls you and me to say, live your life with an understanding of what is at stake. An unwise person will say, you know what, according to what Jesus says, an unwise person says, unwise person says you know what, I got lots of time. Right? Jesus doesn't seem to be coming back anytime soon. There's not a lot of war or famine or, you know, things are kind of cruising along right now. I'm just going to live the way that I want to live, right? I'm going to give Jesus a little bit of my time on maybe Sunday morning. Maybe I'll share a little bit of my, you know, my resources, throw, throw a buck or two in the offering plate, whatever the case may be, as Beto was talking about. But for the rest of the week... I'm going to be the master, right? For the rest of the week, I'm going to live the way that I want to live. And Jesus warns, be careful. Point number three, he says, don't be sleepy. Don't get sleepy. Because judgment day is going to come when we least expect it. And Jesus says... The servant who is found living responsibly will be rewarded. And the servant who is found living irresponsibly will be punished. That's how you prepare for heaven. You don't get sleepy. Jesus teaches here in verse 48 that if God has entrusted you with much, then much is expected. And to those with little, God expects you to steward well what little he has given to you. The important truth is he calls all of us to steward our life well. Steward well what God has entrusted to us. So there's three kind of areas I would encourage you to evaluate in your life as to whether or not you are living responsibly. 
I put them in your app notes. The first thing, the first part, kind of three parts, the third, first part to living responsibly, point part number one, letter A, involves doing what I call a soul check. S-O-U-L, a soul check. And what a soul check is, is to ask yourself the question, if I were to die tonight, do I know where I would go? Would I go to heaven or would I go to hell? And, and by the way, that's your choice. God's not going to make that decision for you. You have to make it for yourself. When you stand before God and he asks you, why should I allow you into my heaven for all of eternity? You know what the right answer is, don't you? The right answer is, I'm a sinner. The right answer is, I don't deserve to be in, in heaven for all of eternity. But Jesus, your son, has invited me. Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross for my sins, he's invited me to be here. So I'm with Jesus. That's the right answer. I'm not here because I deserve it. I'm here because Jesus has invited me. Through the cross, he's paid the penalty for my sin. In essence, Jesus has stood in front of the classroom and he said, Mike, I've got this. And then he bends over, grabs his ankles and takes the punishment. Are you with me? And then he says, thank you, thank you, Mr. Principal, may I have another, right? Why? Because the, the classroom is filled with sinners. Don't get sleepy. So the first part of living responsibly, brothers and sisters, in preparation for the master's return involves doing a soul check. Is Jesus your savior? Have you asked Jesus to forgive your sins? Because I'm not the only one who's standing at the front of the room with my hands around my ankles. We're all standing there. We're all sinners who all need the grace of God. Do a soul check. That's the first part. The second part to evaluate whether or not you're preparing yourself responsibly for Christ's return it involves letter B, it's what I call an attitude check. An attitude check. I do a soul check. Have I given Jesus? Have I asked Jesus to forgive my sins? And then I need to do an attitude check, which is basically involving, am I looking for Christ's return? Am I alert to the possibility that Jesus could come back anytime? Or, this is, you're asking yourself this question, or am I living distracted, Right? by the things of this world. Am I living alert or am I distracted? Alert or distracted? Am I engaged? Are you engaged in things that honor God? Or do your lifestyle choices that you're involved with showcase this reality that you're really not following God? That you're just kind of playing around is what, what, what my dad would say, playing with matches. Maybe when you do this attitude check, you think, you know, you realize that if the master were, would return today, you know that you would be in big trouble. It's an attitude check. And then the third part, I think, of living responsibility, living responsibly, letter C, involves doing a heart check. 
A soul check is different, has to do with my, my, my giving my heart to Jesus, asking him to forgive my sins. But a heart check, more or less, in my thinking, has to do with how am I living my life? Do I have a sense of what God's call is on my life? Am I, and am I stewarding that call responsibly? If Jesus were to come back today and he were to evaluate how I'm living, would he say, Good job, Mike. Or would he go, oh man, you could have done a whole lot better. You know, one of the things, I just finished reading a book called Five Voices. It's an interesting book. And, and one of the things that this book uh, has illustrated to me is how I am a nurturer. I never really considered myself to be a nurturer. It's my number one voice means I really care for people. But one of the weaknesses of being a nurturer is I care too much about what people think about me. Right? Because I, I, want, I, want I want people to be happy. I want people to get along. That's why I'm, so, I'm always stepping into conflict situations. Because I want people to, like, can't we just, it's the whole Rodney King thing, right? Can't we just get along? A nurturer wants people to get along. But the problem with that is I have a tendency to want people to like me. And so now every day I'm trying to do something to cause people to get not like me. Right? I'm, I'm trying to be unafraid of what people think. It's hard for me. But that's part of this, this, this desire to live out this call that God's put on my life to, to invest myself in people, but to do that whether they like me or not. Am I being a good steward? Do you have a sense of what God's call is on your life? You know, for me, and many of you know this, I know that part of the respons one of the responsibilities that God has called me to steward well is to love Costa Mesa. To love the people who live and work here. To invest my time and resources in relationships. I work hard at trying to help people flourish. It's why I'm at the Eagles football game on Friday night when I can go and not care whether or not, and I will get some grief because how can a Mustang announcer go to a, you know, an Eagle football game? Such petty stuff. And that used to let that bother me, but not anymore, right? Because the nurturers don't care. It's the right thing. It's the right thing to do. Kids matter. I've given my heart to Jesus, and as I wait for his return, I'm trying to live my life in a way that would honor him until he comes back. I hope, that, I hope to hear those words, good job, Mike, well done, I'm proud of you. Come on into heaven, you and Jesus, you guys did good to, together today. Soul check, attitude check, heart check. But what about you? Do you have a sense of what God's calling you to do? You know, I think the fact, when I look at my life, the fact that I've been living in the city as a pastor, serving the city as a pastor for over 30 years now, that's unusual, brothers and sisters. Most pastors don't stick around in a community that long. But that's my call. What's your call? Do you know? How's God calling, what's God inviting you to, to steward well until he comes back?
Where's God calling you to love and invest in? You know, friends, Jesus is coming back. And when he does, the Bible teaches us that judgment day will be ushered in. And so Jesus says, I want you to live with an eye on the sky. I want you to live with this understanding of what is at stake. And I want you to realize, don't get sleepy because Jesus' return will come sudden and unexpected. Are you prepared? So all week long, this last few days especially, I've been thinking, I think I've been a little sleepy. I think that this call that God's given me on my life to pastor this community, I could do a better job at that. But that means I'm going to have to put myself out there, which means people may not always like what they, what they see or hear, which means I'm going to be criticized. And as a nurturer, I don't want to be criticized, but it doesn't matter who's my audience. It's the Lord. So ask yourself the question today, are you sleepy? Are you doing the best with what you have, with the resources and the people around you? Are you investing yourself or are you a little bit lazy? Are you ready for Christ to return? So here's how we're going to end. We're going to do a closing prayer. And so for if, you, if you haven't already, I'd like to just put everything down. Close your eyes for a second. Maybe put the palms open in your hands, just on your lap, open. Again, it's just a posture of receptivity. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to know, with all eyes closed, let's do a quick soul check. Is there anyone here today who's never asked Jesus to forgive your sins? but you want to today. If so, like you just raise your hand real quick and then put it down. Maybe you're in a place where you realize you've been a little, you've been wandering a little bit. Maybe you've been a bit of a prodigal. Maybe you feel like today I need to ask God to, to forgive me again and have a rededication. Just put your hand up real quick and then put it down. Thank you. For those of you who raise your hand and in your heart and and physically, I want you to just pray this silently with me. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And I ask you right now to forgive my sins, to save my soul, because I want to spend eternity with, in heaven with you. It's my soul check. Jesus, I want to spend eternity in heaven with you. Now, everyone else, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, please help me to live alert and to live conscious of the truth that your return could come at any time. So please help me to live in a way that honors you. Please break the grip of sin in my life and continue to transform me into the person that you want me to be. This is my legacy prayer. Now, lastly, pray this. Say, God, I want to I grow in my understanding of what my call is, my kingdom call is. Mike's been called to love Costa Mesa and the people who live in, and, and work here. But Lord, what about me? What are you calling me to love and to invest in? Would you just give me greater clarity this week on that? My kids, my coworkers. 
maybe some foreign group. Lord, what's my call? In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. Lastly, let me just close with this. I want you to think just in your mind uh, for a moment, maybe identify two people who you know who don't know Jesus. You don't have to be judged. It's not judgmental. It's just an observation. People in your life, could be a family member, it could be a neighbor, someone you just know is not a follower of Jesus. Would you, would you this week pray with greater intentionality for them? Ask that God would show up in their life. That's part of your stewardship call. Maybe, maybe you want to invite them to join you some Sunday here on at Palm Harvest. That would be awesome too. Two people. Because brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, it's going to be like a thief in the night. And we're not going to be ready. So he's calling us to live with an eye on the sky. Right? Live with this understanding of what's at stake. And don't get sleepy. Because there's work to done. Do. Brothers and sisters, I bless you. In the name of God the Father, Jesus, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.